is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the chance to hang out with Duncan Lawrence over Zoom video. Duncan was born and raised in the Netherlands and talks about how he got into music. Grew up in a very small town, only about 20,000 people. Grew up playing organ, then obviously went on to piano. Started writing songs at a fairly early age, ended up going to college for music. And when he was in college, that's when he wrote the song Arcade. He talked about his time on The Voice Holland, submitting to Eurovision and winning Eurovision, the Eurovision contest for 2019. I know you know the song Arcade. Massive, billions of of plays on that one. Uh, We also hear about the new song and album Duncan's got coming out. His latest single is called Electric Life, and he talks all about it. You can watch our interview with Duncan on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Duncan Lawrence. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so I'm Adam, and uh, this is a podcast about you and your journey in music. And we'll talk about, uh, obviously, the the new record, Electric Life, which is awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. No, thank you. So first off, where were you born and raised? I was born in a small town in the Netherlands called Spijkenisse, which is like in the middle of nowhere, basically no music, no like theater, nothing. So I had to travel very far uh, to uh, get into music, but I did it eventually. Spijkenisse, not a name to remember. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, growing up, did you have an interest in music or your, your family musical at all? You come from a musical household in any capacity? So my, my grandmothers basically took a lot of care um, of me because I uh, my parents got divorced when I was three. So um, they had a hard time um, just, you know, having to get money as a single parent now. So I spent a lot of time at my, my grandparents and they had this big old electric organ that I used to play on and I tried to play it and like as a piano kind of because I didn't really know what everything else was doing like the bassy things and stuff so I kept it uh piano-y and my grandma did teach me a couple of things but what I did all day long basically was listen to the radio and just try to mimic whatever I heard um it must have driven my grandparents crazy because nine out of ten times I wasn't that good because I was still four but um yeah that's, that's how I four. got in touch yeah 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 Yeah, but i mean at four to sit down and and want to and have just the interest in hitting the piano and then listening to a song and then trying to replicate it that's really cool yeah i think i don't know why i did that i just really liked uh the feeling of whenever I was able to copy something, it just made me happy. Just trying to figure out things myself was always just kind of made me happy. But um, yeah, like I said, it must have driven my grandparents crazy. But I was four. I was so small. That's the reason why I couldn't reach those bass notes and stuff. That's the reason why I only played like piano. Because <laughs> with the organ, right, it's like a there's a step. Is there two levels yes. of keys, correct? 
So there's two levels of keys and there's a third level down on the ground, which is the bass notes. And then most of the times you'll see those people like that play organ, like play along to kind of a beat kind of thing uh -huh. where they can like do a beat on it. And then they play the bass with their feet. They play like kind of like the lower, uh, like more, um, how do you say? It's almost like longer notes kind mm -hmm. of with the lowest sets of keys and the higher one is for the the melodies Melody that's is. like the annoying sounding one that's the one i played <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's cool that's cool like, did you ever pick it up like can you play an organ now like if you were to sit down oh yeah for sure oh that's killer I think so yeah i think i would have to like you know get to you like get to know it a little bit like with the whole feet thing but i yeah i think i could do it yeah that's cool. I was whenever I, I have no it, intention to though. I was gonna say it's it's such a sad sounding instrument, man. It's like wah, that's the reason wah. why all my songs are sad, probably. <laughs> but your songs are up like sad, but like I mean, especially the new one. It's got more like this groove, like that's like a uh, uh, positive, you know, uplifting groove to it. That's right. I think I think part of the reason why my songs are a little bit set but with a hint of hope is partly because i really loved the set sounding instruments and songs i always mm -hmm. like was drawn to them but i was bullied since i was four to like 18. so basically oh, wow. like music was my safe haven mm -hmm. and it was my way of finding hope like creating this world in which i could just be myself so whenever i write music right now i just always like to add a little bit of sense of comfort or like hope to it mm -hmm. wow i'm sorry about the bullying that's very oh that's that fine I'm, i mean <laughs> not fine it's but okay. yeah <laughs> it's okay but, it made me into who i am today and i i mean like you know it's it's rough when you go through it but mm -hmm. i i think i actually took a lot of steps and like you know i i i'm i'm good now i i can still do what i love i can reach people that are potentially bullied as well maybe we're like are, are in the same kind of situation and just you know show them that if i can do it as this small town boy from the netherlands then they can chase their dreams as well so it taught me a lot i love that i love that and I, and the bullies i'm sure are going to be the ones that would be trying to hit you up for tickets to go see you live or like can you introduce me to someone? you know what i mean like where did they <laughs> That's what always funny to me. Just like where where did they end up with like the kids that are getting bullied or you know, honestly, I'm gonna you give know, you got, the best answer ever. I got, I I got nine million no streams on Spotify monthly <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I have no idea. That is the best. I have answer no ever. idea where they are. I no. honestly I hope they're happy, you know, because if you're happy, you won't wake up starting bullying someone but like hey sure. yeah, that's that's all i need to know <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah yeah wow. it's, okay it's, so i moved on that's great i'm yeah that's great well from from the organ what uh did you pick up piano lessons or did you was that the yeah. instrument you continued on okay so piano lessons so, yeah and i started singing at a very young age too i remember that like i always had like a lot of people gathered around the garden because I just did these whole like performances and stuff. So I, I there was something 
with me and music. I started musical theater after that, theater school, um, dancing classes, uh, acting classes, um, and singing classes. So that's when I got in touch with like using my voice as an instrument. And at the same time, I started playing the piano because I think my parents and grandparents were a little bit done with that organ and were just like, let's move it up one level. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah. how do you go? I mean, how many people are in your town? You said you come from a very small town. Like, what does that look like? Population. So wise? I think it's like 20,000. It's like, it's still like kind of a lot, but it's not a lot, lot. No, that's not a lot at all. I mean, I had over, I had like 1500 in my high school graduating class. Like if you think of 20,000, like that's <laughs> right. That's like, My God, that's so yeah. many people. We had, we had a lot. Uh, but just but to think <laughs> about that. that, I mean, 20,000, that's not a whole, you played shows to over 20,000 people, I'm sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Now that you say that, I have never realized it like that. That's crazy. Actually. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> I mean, everyone in your entire <laughs> town can come see you and you're like, and then you need to add more people. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> they still wow. fill it up the venue. Um, well, I've like, never thought about it like that, actually. That's a really good way of like putting it into perspective a little bit. Thanks for so, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. That's so crazy, though. Like, OK, so you're in the small town and then what you, you, you know, you learn piano. Are you right? When do you start yeah. writing songs? So I started writing songs when I was about six or seven, I think, when I Honestly, my first like thing that I wanted to do was compete in the junior song contest, which is Eurovision for kids in Europe. Oh, I cool. wrote this horrible song, so I never got to <laughs> like I never got picked. But ever since I kind of was like, I like creating stuff. I like like telling stories with music um because at the same time i was like studying musical and like theater and it was all like very much in a role this really allowed me to just be myself and explore who i was at the age of seven can you imagine uh, these things were running through my head i was so isolated from being bullied that i spent a lot of time just trying to create my own stories in my own world and that's when i really fell in love with music but I actually fell in love with the power of music, like I always say, at the age of 14, when I performed uh, for the first time in front of all of those bullies uh, at this high school performance that I organized with a couple of friends for the uh, Sri Lanka uh, tsunami back then. And we oh, wanted yeah. to raise money. And I was like, you know, Duncan, there are people out there that have it a lot worse than you go on that stage and show, you know, do something, you know. And ever since I've been trying to find ways to use music for the better. That takes a lot of courage, especially, it you know, does. coming from being bullied to, okay, I'm yeah. going to get on the stage and, and I'm going to perform for all the people. Like, were you nervous that it's going to be like, yeah, backlash yeah. or not backlash, but like booing sure. and all, you know, like just kids being horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Because kids can be really horrible. I mean, oh, man. um, and super honest. And it's just, I think that I was super nervous when I went on. And the moment that this, I started playing the song because I was playing on the piano and singing at the same time. And it was an original song. I think I believe. Yes. The first Even time was more vulnerable. Song. it was just, it was so scary, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? This is my chance to show everyone who I actually am because for years they haven't even looked at me or like, you know, they really pretended as if I didn't exist. So it felt like 
this was my moment to show them that I was valuable and that I was worth it of attention at least, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of that song, everyone stood up and applauded, including the bullies, including the people that never have seen me. And that was the moment when people started realizing, Oh, Duncan is a little bit cooler than we think he is. And, and then I also just like in that moment, I, I realized if music can do this for me, what can it do for me and for others in the future? You know, mm-hmm. I, I should make this my, my job because this is yeah. what I want to do. I, I got addicted to it in that moment. For sure. That sounds like a movie scene. You know what I mean? Like you get up there, the bully kid yeah. plays and then all the, all the bullies are like, Oh, like he's cool now. <laughs> like, yeah, I've been, I've been really wanting it to like write a song about that moment and to put it into like a video clip. Um, yeah. But every time I think of it, it just turns into this really teenage high school picture that I'm picturing. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you 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 tried out or you were on um the what was it X Factor of in in the Netherlands? I did the voice. Oh, the voice. I did Sorry. the voice of Holland. Um, okay. Yeah, I did it when I was like 18. I was studying at the Rock Academy, and everything was so theat- the- theoretical. Sorry, okay. theoretical, and I was just like, I need some network. I need to get to know people. I need to show myself. So I did the voice kind of as a showcase to show the Holland who I was. And then um, after that, um, I studied for a couple of years and then I got asked to participate for Eurovision. Okay. Wow. Well, what, what was the rock? Was that like, that's just a music school? So the Rock Academy is a music school in the south of the Netherlands, which is a conservatory. So it's like an actual university music. for music. It, when it I hear used it, to be. Oh, was it? Okay. Yes. So it used to be only rock bands that would go there and study there. And now they slowly transitioned into this pop meets rock meets every, every single genre you can, you can study there. Um, there's, like studies from rap to music producing to EDM to arrangements to whatever you want, it's there. So it's a great school, but it kind of felt like I was living in a rock and roll version of fame the whole time. Um, so yeah, that's when why I also decided to kind of spread my wings out of those four safe walls and just like explore the world a little bit. And that that was the step uh, the voice of Holland that I took. Okay. When, when you were attending that school though, were, were you interested and were you performing and writing like rock songs? It doesn't sound like you know, your music now, <laughs> <Okay>. obviously. <laughs> so I'm super, I'm a super emo kid. So I used to like listen to Paramore, Green oh, Day, uh, Fall Out Boy, that's Cold my, Place, that's my stuff. No Control. Okay. I love it. And it, it raised rage against the machine. Like I went very far, even to like Christian hard rock screamo bands, like Flyleaf. I did it all. But um, I, I always was drawn to like a rock and roll kind of way of, of being an artist, being performing, writing songs, like not really caring too much about stuff, but just letting things be the way they are meant to be kind of, that's my version of rock and roll. So yeah, that's what I learned from like rock and rock music and stuff. But I don't think, I do think there are some influences there. I don't think they're very like prominent within my music, but it does shape the music that I make a little bit yeah still mm. yeah 
Sure, sure. So you get in that school. Did you have to like uh, audition to get in or? Yes, for okay. sure. There's only six people, I think, that uh, get elected every year per class. Whoa. So it's it's not a lot. Yeah. And there's like thousands of people that want to study there. So it's a crazy thing to think about, like, yeah, that. Yeah, huge that's valid. That I'm there. sure you're you're you're. I bet you that, yeah, that had to be like a validating moment. Like, oh, wow, I should yes. be doing this. Like, I got, I just got, it I'm was one crazy. of six. Yeah, I went from like, no one ever like really paying attention to all of a sudden being one out of thousands to apply and attend a school. Like it was, it was just, it was a dream come true, literally. That's so wild. What did you do to audition? Did you perform a song or uh do you remember? Yeah, so I performed three songs and I did a theoretical test and I had to like really convince them that I so like a motivational speech, like like almost like a motivational conversation that you need needed to do. Like, where do you want to be in five years and 10 years and this and that? And I remember saying, well, I want to be the first artist in the Netherlands that tries to like hopefully get a worldwide audience through Europe. So not through the US or the UK. And I was in the first, like, I wasn't even attending this school. So I had no idea of like marketing or branding or whatever. And I was sitting there just saying like, I'm going to be a European artist that will hopefully break through to the world. And it happened. Which I was going to say, crazy. wow, that's like some vision board. Like, I yeah. know it's <laughs> so all about manifesting, fun. throwing yeah. it out into the universe. It took me a while to realize that, but yeah. As long as you keep your mind focused on something, you can actually get there. And it's crazy, actually, to think about that. That's wild. Okay. And so well, what was your time on The Voice Holland like? Was that uh, a cool I thought experience? it was horrible, honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not like singing <laughs> covers that much. I thought that it was a nice experience. It was a nice thing for me to like showcase myself to show people, hey, I can sing. I want to be an artist one day, but I have never seen it as my actual like breakthrough moment. Never. Mm. Uh, my breakthrough moment came years later when I participated Eurovision with my own song as yeah. my own artist. Yeah. And I'm, I've, and I've interviewed and spoke with other artists that it went through, you know, The Voice or American Idol or whatever. And they are almost more excited that they didn't get far, far, far in it. Like, I don't know yeah. how far you got in it because then it's like you're attached to that. Right. And it's like, oh, it's it's Duncan it's from the, the voice. And, and you're like, no, well, I'm not that. Like, that's not me. Yeah. Like, this is me. And the yeah. fact that you were able to do that with your own song. I mean, that what a what a insane achievement. I mean, it's it's been crazy because I, I really took the voice as, like I said, a showcase moment. Then I went backstage uh, to like kind of write songs, develop myself. I switched from being Duncan to Duncan Lawrence. That was a big, big decision for me because within that, I finally allowed myself to be the alter ego artist that I wanted to create okay. rather than just being Duncan from the voice who sings covers. So there was a big swift happening there, which was super nice nice to be working on for those years because it was between the voice and Eurovision. It took about five years, four years for me to like study, really develop myself, write songs. I mean, I was 
17, 18 when I did the voice. And then, yeah, a couple of years ago, I did Eurovision. So, yeah, that was 20, um, it was yeah, a super interesting process. when you won it. So it wasn't very long ago. No, no, I'm still young. I look old, but I'm young. <laughs> you don't look old, man. I'm old. <laughs> uh, I don't so, mind. <laughs> no, you don't look at all that. Um, so, so in those years, you know, from going from, I just kind of probably staying away from the title of the voice Duncan, it's like, okay, I don't want to, to do with that. But like when you're writing these songs within those five years, like there must've mm-hmm. been moments of like little milestones or little spikes of validation to keep you moving forward. Cause I would imagine That's in true. five years, if nothing's going on, like to then apply for Eurovision. Like what were, do you have any like memories of little things that happened to kind of keep you going up until submitting arcade? So, you know what it is with music and a lot of the time with like artists that want to make it even like, you know, the, the, the fact like making it is like, if you depend too much on successes within numbers and like um, statistics and everything, mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get worn down a little bit. And I always try to not focus on that. And I always envisioned if I am going to be an artist, I want everything that I do to be beautiful. And I want it to touch people in a way like where it's like hopeful for them or uh, it, it just like reach out to them and touch them. And hopefully through that, create this international artist and be able to play wherever I want to play. I didn't care if that was 20 people in front of me. I still don't care if it's 20 people or 20,000 people in front of me. I want to do this because I want to tell a story and I want to connect with people. And I think that has gotten me through all those years of not really having any success, as you would call it, in the music industry uh, with numbers or statistics. But for me, it was very successful because I grew from a small town boy who did the voice of Holland, a ta- like a con- country that everyone kind of knows, but everyone kind of says like, oh, so you're from Amsterdam. So that's how m- <laughs> right. many people like really know what Holland right. is, you know? And I was able to transform myself into someone that could potentially reach an international artist within those five years. And something inside of me kept telling me that I was on the right path, even though uh, things didn't click right away. I knew that I was doing it with my whole heart and I'd rather do something with my whole heart and make something absolutely beautiful that I think is absolutely beautiful um, and that needs to be seen by the world than just focusing on little spikes and stuff. I was just very focused on this is my end goal. This is who I want to become. I want to become Duncan Lawrence. So that was the drive for me all those years. Okay. So it wasn't, yeah, you not without looking at numbers or anything, it was just, you knew at some point it's going to, it's going to hit. I think I always like kind of convinced myself if you do everything the best you can and you deliver quality and you deliver something good, there will be a time in your life where people will look at you and say, I cannot deny that this is good. What you're doing. I cannot go around it anymore as we say in dutch and that's what i always keep in mind you know that's how i make music that's how i deal with like people now that say like oh yeah arcade was a huge success but what about no like kind of like ooh, like you need another hit and i'm just like 
no, nah, no, nah, it's fine. I'll just do my own thing. As long as I can reach people, create an audience, like, ha- or like reach an audience. I mean, like create this community that is sticking together and that is listening to my music and hopefully getting inspired from it. I'm okay. And I'm doing yeah. my thing, you know? I love that. But it's not, it's funny that you said like, yeah, you know, arcade was a shoe hit now, what? but it's like the, the fact that people bought your record or streamed your record in like entirety. Right. Like it's not like you'll see some artists where it's like arcade, you know, you know, a hundred, a billion streams. And then like the next 15 songs in the record have like, you know, 10,009, like almost all the, the whole album is, has millions of streams. It's, it's, that's true. So that response to like, it's not just looking for a hit, but you have no, all the songs are hits, right? Yeah, you're kind of right. It's really hard for me to see that because I've always had had that mindset, you know, like I've always had this mindset of where I was like, I just want to create whatever, like, I just want to tell stories, you know, and maybe one story will be heard by more people than the other one, but they're equally important to me. Every song is equally important, but I won't deny the, the, feeling it gave me of of seeing how well arcade did how popular it was the the story that i i put into arcade was super personal so to see that go all over the world and being shared by millions billions Billions. of people (laughs) is crazy i think that we're at 10 billion right now and still rising it's just insane so yeah of course like there's always two things you know to see of course there's like this i am enjoying very much what is happening with rk and at the same time i'm always trying to see things very realistically and just to yeah just to really build this long career out of the success that i'm having now sure yeah it's not a uh a one and done for you when, where you'll see that with artists where if they have that viral moment and then it's okay now what are you gonna do like you yeah. building this career the rec- yeah. you had a, a record before an ep before you even put out small town boy then that does you know insanely well but it, the eurovision thing just kind of happened to land i think at the right time especially so. the song too like with, I think with, so. W- tell me about that. So just, I want to move on to your new one. Cause I love it. And, and I, I really want to hear yes. the story behind it, but I just one just quickly on the uh, one more on the arcade was just that when you wrote that song, was it like, okay, I know this is really, really good. This is the song I want to submit it to Eurovision. Like, what was that like thought process and how did that work? So I had the song for two and a half years already when people reached out to me and said, do you want to do Eurovision with it? I never thought that I would do Eurovision because I've always been like, I've always seen uh, very famous people go to Eurovision before. So I had never really had, there wasn't a story of an unknown singer with just a song going to Eurovision uh, for the Netherlands. So this was the first time that happened. So for me, I, I was just like, wait, are you kidding? Like I wrote this song two and a half years ago. This is the song that I want to put out as my first single with everything, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had this whole EP album, everything prepared. And then I was like, okay, well, if I can put this song out and I can have a super big platform to promote it, 
um, of course I will do that. Like that's the, the, the best thing ever. So right. things really combined. I already wanted to put out arcade as my first single, but then, you know, I just waited a little longer until, until we like, you know, really finished it up. Everything was just done. And then all of a sudden I got this message in that time while I was wrapping up and like preparing for a release already. And everyone was like, Hold your horses just just for a little longer because we're actually going to Eurovision. <laughs> so let's push this release a couple of months and uh, yeah, uh, and then I then I did and I performed it on Eurovision and it went super well and I won. <laughs> That's so wild! And you were the first person to win from from Holland. What in from in forty five years? Yeah, I was gonna say nearly fifty years. That yes, must have been so crazy. What a big moment. It's been so crazy. I mean, like, I remember writing this song in my bedroom at the Rock Academy, like in this little study room, like uh, just like going back and forth between those two, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it, what I wanted to tell. It's 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 been insane to move from that like literally a small town boy that is already thinking that his dream came true studying at a rock academy you know like mm -hmm. and then one being of a put few on thousand stage it's like 200 million viewers yeah. and that's insane yeah one insane. yeah one of six out of the x thousand that are trying out for the school and then you go to you yeah know, the big <laughs> leagues and then win when you know that's yeah such a cool story such a cool story um, especially coming from a small town and, and probably not seeing people achieve that sort of success out of your town. Never. Yeah. Even in my country, it was never really a thing. We have a lot of EDM music. We have mm -hmm. great DJs in the Netherlands, Martin Garrix, Chesto, Armin van Buren. They're all amazing. But to see an artist go internationally has been maybe also 45 years. Maybe it was our last Eurovision win that did that. Um, I remember like bands back in like when that I used, my father used to listen to like golden earring and stuff that did mm -hmm. well, but no, there wasn't an example, um, which is still really crazy to think about that. I'm the first artist, the first Dutch artist who is, making an international path for himself right. like an international career um it's crazy but i also can feel that within the netherlands i don't live there anymore but every time i come back i can feel that a lot of my artist friends and like artists that i meet are just like really really inspired and really triggered and really want to fight for that as well so yeah it's it's cool finally holland like gets the spotlight that yeah. it deserves because there is a lot of cool talents out there yeah that's got to be feel real good now all these other kids coming out of your town and in your area looking at yeah at, like duncan duncan laura's kid he lived here like look at where he's at he yeah. came out of this little sound like so much hope i like that yeah, um, oh my god it's it's crazy i even got my own backstage door in this huge arena <laughs> like my whoa <laughs> there is some stuff that happened in the netherlands it's just crazy yeah that's so cool and and just uh, like I'm just in Eurovision in general because uh, I'm for, I'm here in the states. A lot of people that win the Eurovision don't necessarily go on to achieve even next no. level fame, right? I mean, to no. to break here in the United States to have a song so big that like my 14 year old that's on TikTok all the time is like <laughs> singing it while we're like just just because he's hearing it so. I mean, he likes the song, but it was like he knew I the song that. just from like 
flipping through his for you page. I mean, to, to expand to the level of now you're a, a hit in the U S which you didn't even, that wasn't even part of your spiel when you went into the college. I mean, no. that's so you're probably the only one right out of Holland that's done that. Yeah. Not so even probably out of your yeah. and I can't think of anyone. I mean, not a whole lot. So, I mean, of course, like the year after me or two years after me, because of COVID, there was one like extra year in the middle where there wasn't a Eurovision. The year after me, there was Monskin. So um, there I yeah. do have to say that. Yeah, they they did very well, although they were super famous already um, within their own country and like in multiple countries. Yeah, they're already kind um, of a big, a big deal. They were they huge. And I remember hearing. About yeah, that. which I didn't know. So I was like. Holy shit, who are these guys? They are so <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> but then, like, you know, they, I think that um, it's, yeah, like you said, it's not necessarily a uh, common thing at all for a Eurovision winner to, uh, with the song that is on Eurovision, to like, you know, explode worldwide. Like it happened sure. with Arcade. No, it's, it's really crazy. <laughs> So awesome. Well, tell me, okay, yeah. Electric Life is the new song. I love it. Yes. I think it's it's Thank you. so good. Talk to me about this song. Uh, how is it put together? When did you write it? Everything that goes along with it. So I, I write everything with my uh, with my fiance, Jordan Garfield. We write everything together. And I remember that we talked a lot about wanting to write a song that kind of puts um remembering people who passed away in like a super positive perspective we wanted mm -hmm. a song that you could turn up and just listen to close your eyes and just sway along to and just feel and miss and be with that person for a second and i remember this line that jordan said to me where he was like um I think if we remember people in a positive way, we bring heaven a little closer to earth. And that inspired me so much that I was like, yeah, we're going to write this song. And we, we met up with, uh, we had a few ideas and the bits and pieces like here and there already. We met up with Paul Famous and Lyric Clempit. Um, and in that session, we started off with a coffee and then talked about like, automatically started talking about people that passed away. And I was like, Oh, let's bring that idea in that we had a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and things combined so nicely. Uh, I mean, we started writing the verse, the beat came in, Leroy started, the producer started playing that beat and that all like kind of brought us to this new level of, of hopefulness of like experimenting with sounds that I hadn't experimented with before. Cause my songs before were, quite mellow mm -hmm. and I wanted something new. I wanted fire for album two. So that's what happened. And things just came together and the song was born in 45 minutes and it's there. It's oh, out wow. there now. Well, it still kind of starts off though on the piano. It's not like it doesn't get like mm -hmm. right into it. I mean, it starts that's off true. and then it builds and it's, and it, but then it obviously it's not like a slow burn. It, it picks up quickly, but it, it still it's has a special that element thing that to, is happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, it's like I wanted to create this bridge between old Duncan Lawrence and the new one. And I think Electric Life 
fits so well as a gateway from going to one sound that people already know that dreamy arcadey vibe into kind of a new evolution um that i was really really hoping for and and a lot of the the inspiration we had was taking from the 70s the early early 70s uh elton john queen the beatles i really just wanted to you know throw everything on a big pile all the music that i listened to the artists that i admired and combine that with arcade um and just shake it up a little and then you know make mm -hmm. a song out of it <laughs> with such heavy like subject matter did you have i mean maybe it's just too personal did did you lose somebody close to you or did your fiance lose somebody close to him like recent enough to where it was like oh we should really pay homage to this or was it just kind of a feeling that came so it was a combination i think that um there was there were uh uh indeed stories i don't want to speak for the writers but there were indeed stories that were shared and mm -hmm. they were very inspirational and yeah that was that was definitely in that moment the trigger for us to write this song uh also for each other as songwriters kind of a song that we could the four of us could you know listen to in moments where when we needed it luckily i haven't lost anyone uh, for a while now but i did lose a bunch of people when i was young so yeah mm -hmm. i do know the feeling but it was mostly the combination going from a personal to a universal feeling as you evolve from you know talking about it me and jordan talking about it to going into a room with other people and then sharing that same feeling mm -hmm. of wanting to remember everyone in a positive way rather than looking back negatively constantly it was just needed i think for all the writers that were in the room and therefore we thought that it was needed for the world to I have a little say, bit of yeah. hope I think I, I I agree with that totally. I mean, it's definitely something that can relate to everyone, whether it's now or if not now, soon yeah. or not, not, hopefully not soon. But you know what I mean? Like at one point or another, you're going to lose somebody that you love or, you know, yeah. and yeah. To, to look at it, to frame it the way you, you did is 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 amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super proud of it. I'm really happy. Like fans have reached out to me and said, it's like listening to your song for the first time was like driving in my old mom's, like in my, my mom's old car. And I was like, this is exactly what it should be. This is exactly what we tried to like driving in that car, thinking about your mom, almost feeling her sitting next to you. That is what we wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I totally agree with, with the universal, uh, uh, perspective of this story, which I always want to do within my songs. I also did it with Arcade. I wanted mm -hmm. to turn the personal message into a universal story that we could all relate to as humans. So, yeah, thanks for saying that. Thanks. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And you said uh, this is going to bridge a gap from Small Town Boy into a, a newer chapter of Duncan Lawrence. Is that yeah. mean you have an album you're working on? Uh, yeah, project. Can you so say anything about I, that yet? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So okay. my, my album is on the way. It will be uh, released uh, spring next year. So uh, in the meantime, there is a bunch of singles coming. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. We're I'm, I'm just Jordan. And I just really dove into this 
dream world that we created ourselves, like I did when I was young, when I got bullied, when I tried to like make my own world where which and I felt safe. And we did that during lockdown and a time where we felt very unsafe and like everything was happening at such a bit, you know, fast pace. And, you know, everyone felt like that, I think. So we created our own bubble and our own world again. And um, I went back to my roots, I think, because I was able to be in that safe space that I knew uh, as a child very well too. So I went back to all those influences like Elton John that I grew up with and Queen and the Beatles. And it's been such a fun thing to just really focus on artists that made art, music mm -hmm. in the shape of art rather than fast, quick, trendy pop kind of music. It's been super deliberating to just, you know, be able to think of myself as potentially an artist that just makes music because he wants to make art. Um, so yeah, it's been really cool to create this album. There's a lot of like, you know, different influences, a lot of old stuff, a lot of new stuff. It sounds very now. It sounds very new. I'm very excited for it to come out. It's very personal and emotional, but very feisty and fiery. And then I'm super, super excited to perform it live too. Very, very cool. I love it. Thank you so much for doing this, uh, Duncan. Do you have, are you, do you have a tour date scheduled or uh, are you looking maybe closer yes. to when the record comes out? So actually, I have a European tour scheduled at the end of this year, which is in October. So if you want to come all the way to Europe, you're more than welcome. But um, uh, next year, after the album is dropped, we are going to like we're going to announce uh, some U.S. Uh, tour dates as well, exciting. which is th super exciting. I think yeah, I'll have to wait for you to US, come to the U.S. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Just promise to take you, like, take your kit with you because if he likes our date, then right? he does. I, yeah, I have, a, and I have another one, a younger one who also loves music and everything. <laughs> He's only great. six though, so we're gonna. We'll, I'll bring the whole fam. We'll all come That's out so and, nice. and see you to your show. Yeah, I'm really excited. Amazing. So, You're more than welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I have one more quick question for you. If you have yeah. any advice for aspiring artists. It's really just not being distracted by numbers, statistics, opinions from whomever. You can create your own vibe, own world, own bubble, your own artistry these days more than ever with all the social media that we have. So stick to your gut feel, do what you believe in and make it happen. <laughs>